Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast. I am your host and resident musical Chad Kavitaharian. Wow, and um, <laughs> I am the pair of yellow submarine uh, pajama bands you got from Hot Topic in 2005, and those were the only things you, you wore. Told every, you, you said you'd never tell anybody about those. I told you that in private. I, I just, I just, <laughs> you've just worn them nonstop consistently for like three months in a row. I'm starting to feel worried. Angelina Mian. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to be cool, but no longer. Thanks a lot. You've told everybody my secret. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, the world has to know <laughs> that we are tipping into our, um, I guess, what's this, nostalgia waters today. We're getting into some, uh, I don't know how to describe this movie. We're getting into Across the Universe. Across the Universe. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, a movie that I have not seen since it came out. Um, so, number one, I'm excited to revisit it for that. But, um to mm-hmm. a movie that uses, you know, music by, I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, it's this, like, music group. The, the Beatles? The Beatles, yes, yes. The Beatles. The Beatles, I think. Uh, <laughs> it uses the music the of that. Beat-less. And uh, is also directed by uh, our girl, Julie Taymor. <laughs> so Julie Taymor, when you yeah. put all three of those things down on paper, just a spectacularly weird thing to have to sit and grapple with. But yes, we are doing Across the Universe today. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very, very, there's, for a lot of reasons, very excited to get into this one, but also dreading it, but also excited. That sounds like from what everyone talks about Julie Taymor, that's that's how they feel. They sort of dread it and they're excited. excited. I've only ever seen <laughs> Le, uh, Lion King and then, um, I, was it Frida was hers, right? Frida was hers, yeah. Did. did you ever see Titus? I saw it a million, tight, the one with Anthony Hopkins? Yes, yeah. That's no, also no, no, her. No, no, I never saw it. But I, <gasps> I do remember the poster really distinct. It's a really distinct looking poster, like the colors and his face and stuff. It's weird, but yeah. no, I never saw it. It's an insane movie. It's I also deeply love it movie, but also it's a deeply polarizing film. And I feel like that kind of describes a lot of Julie Taymor as a filmmaker. Uh, maybe not so much a stage. Dr- well, I don't know. We haven't talked about Spider-Man turn off the darks. So. Right, right. I don't I don't know. Again, I don't know her well enough to know. But like I get the sen- the consensus I usually get is that like people are like very like they either love her and think she's a creative genius or they're just like she's a disaster and everything she does is terrible. Basically, I don't have an opinion one way or another. It sounds, I'll just say this, it sounds kind of Baz Luhrmann-y almost, just, again, just based on what you're talking about, like, Baz is kind of insane, is yes. that, but like, in a, in a way where you're like, I'm an apologist for Baz, because you and I both love him, because we like that he's crazy and tries something totally different. She does have, like, uh, and I know she's gotten compared to it and been like, well, Baz learned from me, you know, and like, jokingly, you know, like, Baz oh, learned Oh, interesting, she, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, but uh, she does have very big Baz Luhrmann, I think that is honestly one of the most apt comparisons you could like if Look i could describe that. julie T- you i made an app it. comparison and i haven't even seen half her fucking movies That's yeah great. I'm, like, um. I'm sitting there i'm like and i do i'm sitting there i'm like yeah actually baz Luhrmann is probably the best comparison i could think like she does have like a lot of the okay. same it's this very big operatic visually driven like clearly loves whatever she's making this movie about but like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a lot going on so yeah, yeah well, baz I, I remember seeing frida when it came out i don't really remember any of it but mm. i remember thinking it was like interesting I yeah mean, i was like i don't know fucking 20 it's her, that, years old or something it's probably her like, most conventional cool movie i think too yeah. like yeah like I, I i will say like you obviously don't have to go and watch titus to understand what we're going to be talking about today but go watch that movie <laughs> one of but those titus deep, is just a good film you're saying it's unhinged in like the best possible way to me to me i'm okay. like this is it like this is yeah, like yeah. this is cinema like <laughs> this is cinema it is a bonkers movie and uh i think frida's probably her most conventional one and this one kind of skews towards that but at the end of the day she she's a very interesting person julie taymore so <laughs> yeah yeah i as a general rule i i prefer a person who has a point of view 
and like does something as opposed to someone who will, you know, even if you attempt to do something crazy and it fails, I always admire that more than like trying to be, you know, as they would say, color inside the lines and then be conventional. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. I like for people who... Not to be a middle school art teacher. Right. <laughs> I like for people who trespass and then afterwards will like ask for forgiveness. And this is just nothing yeah. but just... Take big swings. Take yeah, big take swings. big swings. Even if you miss, that's okay. I just, I, on the end of, at the end of the day, I always think that that's more admirable. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So notes. Um, Across the Universe is a 2007 jukebox musical drama film directed by Julie Taymor with a story by Taymor, Dick Clement, and Ian Lafrenet. It features the music of some band called the B at less. Yeah. IDK. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how they got onto this or why they said they probably knew a producer or something. Yeah, right. uh, the film stars. Spotify reached out to them. Evan, yeah. Spotify reached out to them and yeah. it was a whole deal. Yeah. Uh, the film stars Evan Rachel Wood, Jim Sturgis, Joe Anderson and TV Carpio. I don't know TV Carpio. That's a person's. They're all kind of name. unknowns. That's a name. She's she's an actress. Yes. A TV, okay. TV Carpio with cameos by Bono, Salma Hayek, Joe Cocker, and more. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness! So Beatles, I'm here to sing. I can't do a really Beautiful. good uh, Joe Cocker impression. I'm going to work on it for the next the second half and see if I can that. nail it. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Beatles, it's here. Uh, Lovely. Okay. Set in the 1960s. <laughs> So in the 1960s, Across the Universe follows Jude. Oh, hey. Yeah. A young man from Liverpool, England, who sets off to New York City in hopes of finding the American GI who fathered him and whom Jude has never met. Mm-hmm. Once in the United States, however, he becomes swept up in the growing counterculture scene and meets a cast full of young hopefuls who inhabit it. This seems like another one that we've watched hair. Yes. <laughs> this um, owes so much to hair. This movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and those who inhabit it. Max, a college dropout slacker. Prudence, oh dear, a woman coming to terms with her sexuality. She comes out to play. Jojo. Yeah. Yeah. She, <laughs> Jojo, a guitarist from Detroit, and Lucy, a young woman grieving the recent loss of her brother to the Vietnam War and whom falls in love with and is artistically inspired by. Sorry. And whom Jude falls in love yes. with and is artistically inspired by. Yeah. Will the war break up these young kids forever and crush their dreams of love and freedom? Mm-hmm. Why does reading a list of the character names in the film in the film feel like a fever dream from a baby naming website? Will Milos Forman press charges of totally ripping <laughs> off his executive plot? <laughs> from beyond the All grave. this and more in Across the Universe. That was a little ad lib I just did for I you. loved it. I loved it so much. That I love when I screw Thank up you. something and then your ad libs just make up for it. Just like Listen, I, I that's give what, nothing. We're, partners. You give every- we're here. <laughs> we're regular no, we're Lennon here, McCartney. We're here to support each other. Right. Yes, exactly. Just a Lennon from that band I've never heard of. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Originally based on the idea of a sweeping musical film set to the songs that defined the 1960s, Across the Universe took off as a concept once Taymor Clement and Lafrenet were able to secure the rights to the music catalog of the Beatles, paying ATC slash Sony Music and Michael Jackson about $10 million for the 30 songs that would end up in the film. Honestly, that's kind of low for what I would think for Beatles songs because they just those are Right. Fucking the most expensive, right? Right. I think I think if you divide that it's something like $330,000 per song, which when I do when you put a price on like something like Hey Jude it does seem kind of cheap, honestly. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's an it's an astronomical amount of money still, right. but or like, still. I don't know, it's the fucking Beatles. It's right. like it's an industry in and of itself. Yes, yeah. Um as a condition of the song's use, the advertising posters for the film could not mention the Beatles nor the songwriters' names. That's interesting. Why yes. the fuck 
Would you not want to recoup your costs? I th- yeah, which I, I, I that I don't uh, understand. Like, and I honestly that's really don't, weird. I'm going to sit and smoke on that one because I, I read that and was just kind of like, oh, like, interesting. Why would you do that? I feel like so much of like what the immediate draw is for this movie is it's the fucking Beatles, you, you know? Um, yeah, like fucking Mamma Mia just being like, it's the songs of ABBA. Go right. see a fucking ABBA musical. Why would right. you not post, why would you not advertise this as like, it's a Beatles musical? Right. And Mamma Mia was coming out at that time where like, you know, we were still trying to tell people that ABBA was bad. We're like, or campy, you know, it's Ugh, like, and they were bullshit. leaning into it. I know, such lies, such lies. Um, I'm just, even, I would, even I at would, my most like, I'm like a hardcore punk kid. I just was like, fuck, this shit is catchy. Oh my God, Vu Vu is such a good song. Like, I'm like, man, off, off rips. Anyway, <laughs> you would think with the Beatles, I, and I, I do have to wonder how much of it is just like a weird contractual thing about public image and the Lennon yeah, McCartney yeah. name. But like, um, I'm going to smoke on that one in between recording these because I, I read that and was just kind of like, that's right. I don't remember like the Beatles actually being used in the marketing for this at all. Like, I remember the trailer being dropped and just being like, these are all Beatles songs. And this is clearly like they're doing all of like the kind of... um. The like the the Peter Max kind of inspired sixties like mm-hmm, imagery mm-hmm. that is so very associated with the Beatles, like yeah. referencing that and really it, not not dropping it at all. It's just like um at first I thought it was just like a cool brand recognition thing where they're like, No, we're too cool to drop it. Like we we just know we're mm-hmm. we're like doing it for like for the audacity of it, but apparently that was not the case. I was just being like, Yeah, whatever. It was so weird. Yeah, yeah. we should look into that and see if we can find an answer if there's yeah. like a specific reason or Maybe it's like they don't want to, like you said, affiliated, like they didn't write it. So they're like, we don't want people yeah, to think that like they this, were affiliated or like constructed the musical somehow. Right. Or I don't know. Because this is not the first musical jukebox Beatles film to have ever been made. Um, oh, it's not. No. I yeah. Mean, other than the ones that they were involved in. Other in, than the ones. The there was a, 60s. do you remember Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band? It was a 70s film that starred like the Bee Gees. It gave me the Earth, Wind and Fire cover no, of Got to Get You this. Into My Life. That is the best cover of any Beatles song ever. Go out and listen to Earth. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh. I didn't know about this. Yeah, it's it's not a good movie. Um, it's it's kind of a mess. It was actually based on a play that ran for like 60 days on, like in New oh, York in like the late that. 60s. I know. I'm like, maybe we should dig up Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band too. But like, uh, <laughs> this is not the first musical to have done that. And yes, like you said, um, even with all the, the films that the actual Beatles made with their music. Yeah. Again, not the first time anyone has done it. But what is interesting to me is that they try really, really hard. And compared to all the other kind of jukebox musicals that we have watched, um, Julie Taymor and and co. really try hard to fit these songs into actual like non-diegetic storytelling numbers. That's what I remember is they try Mm -hmm. really hard to actually like because, you know, it's not something like Rock of Ages where it's like you could put pour my pour pour some sugar on me and hit me with your best shot in the same spot and it would not change anything. You know, like, yeah, it would not change anything. Whereas this, they they try really, really, really hard. Yeah. To to build. And and they're not using. Are are they doing covers of the songs or are they using original? They're, used, they're doing covers. They the actors are these okay. characters singing these songs as characters, like they are meant to oh, be. So even okay, oh, yeah. yeah. So gotcha. like that's that's what like. Cause, did you? So you have not seen this movie? Oh no, I've never seen this. Oh my I, gosh, I don't think I, I even. I don't think it was even on my radar. Of like, I think I, I've heard of it, but I don't know fucking anything about it. I, I remember when this because I I had a huge Beatles phase. I was definitely one of those kids in high school who was obsessed with the Beatles, like. Listen to the nonstop. Quick. What was what was your first Beatles record? My first. Oof, that's really, really hard because my parents grew up listening to the Beatles. So we had them around. My very first own Beatles thing that I owned was actually when and I feel yeah. like this is going to be a, like a, a thing that a lot of kids my age who are into the Beatles that compilation yeah. album one Beatles one. It came out in like mm-hmm. 2000, 2000. It came out the year 2000 and they would play like a commercial for mm. it. It was this big compilation album. 
um, that like it's was the that. red and uh, yellow one. Yes, yes, and that was my first. Yeah, my yeah I know own, exactly that one. My own Beatles CD, and then like I, I that was where I got like super obsessed. My parents owned them all on vinyl, but that was when I started collecting like the albums for myself, so I could listen to them on my, you know, mm. my my CD Walkman, and you know, cry and be like, I'm the only 13 year old who's ever liked the Beatles. <laughs> the first um, one in the history of 13 yeah, year olds. Yeah, I remember listening a lot to the. Um, do you remember the anthology albums that came out in the 90s? Like. Yeah. My my mom got mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. and like that was kind of my first real intro into like oh these are not just songs these are like songs that have like this huge cultural like anchor tied yeah, to them yeah, significance uh, but yeah. yeah the Beatles one was probably my first like Beatles album and then after that the first Beatles album I actually bought for myself was um wasn't Rubber Soul it was um it was Revolver sorry Revolver was my first uh, Beatles Revolver, album yeah. that I bought by myself mine was Rubber Soul actually I I love Rubber Soul like I love <laughs> I love Rubber Soul <laughs> it's great. Uh, They're all fucking catchy. Yeah. But um, so I, I had a huge Beatles phase in high school, like and still honestly, I'm living yeah. through it. Um, So I, I do have yeah. like I, I do have an emotional attachment to the Beatles. I will say that. And I but I also oh, when I so. Yeah. When so. I when I saw this movie, though, I hated it. So <laughs> I will put it out there like. And you hated it because you felt like they slaughtered the songs or because like the movie was bad. Or do you feel like I'm trying cause I, I also sort of don't really like I have a tr- I have trouble with like Beatles covers. Uh huh. Generally speaking, I mean, yeah. not all of them forever. Like, it's not an unconditional thing. Sure. But generally speaking, I'm just like, I don't really like people covering the Beatles songs because no. like the one it's just there's there have, I haven't really heard much. Yeah, that I, I liked. Go listen to Earth, Wind and Fire's cover of Got to Get You Into My Life. It fucking rips. Okay. It is so good. It's one of my favorites. Okay. My dad was a big Earth, Wind and Fire fan. So I think that was technically my first Beatles song. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so it's like they, they make it fun as opposed to like because like a lot of the Beatles songs that I hear or the, oh. the covers I hear, it's like. Covering like what was that movie? The was I am Sam. I am Sam. The field acoustic covers of Beatles songs in it. Yeah, (laughs) yes. And I was like, this is cringe. I hate all this. Is like Blackbird. Yeah, it's kind of like. Overly trying to put their stamp on something yeah. that like was already nice to begin with. Yeah. It's, it's more of like, I guess that's my affiliation with it. To sure. be fair, I haven't listened to that many Beatles covers, but that's usually what I think sure. of is like people trying to like overly sentimentalize something that's already kind of sentimental. Yes. No, that's, that's 100% like, like I fully agree with you. I don't like a lot of Beatles covers, um, but this is kind of like, all, I don't know if it was the, co- I, I wasn't upset about the covers because everyone has a nice singing voice in this and like people mm-hmm. actually can sing in this and that's, you know, always a plus. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think it was more like why I'm re- interested in revisiting it is because it came out when I was like 19 years old and that's at the height of like, mm-hmm. I'm discovering art films. I'm, you know, watching Truffaut mm-hmm. and like <laughs> I am learning what art is and this feels like a devaluation of the art of the Beatles in the sense that it's kind mm-hmm. of like, it felt like baby's first film criticism. I was like, well, somebody saw hair and made that move, you know, like it just I, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it wasn't its own unique thing, I think. And I just, I don't know. Like I, I thought it was just bad. Like I was just like, this is formulaic and all of like the weird. So I don't know. Like it, it was like, I liked Moulin Rouge when it came out. And I feel like my response to across the universe was what a lot of people had to Moulin Rouge where I was like, this is hacky and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, and over sentimental and none, 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 And like, so I don't know. Not, maybe not understanding the mechanics of what's, what's exactly, happening. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm getting what at. Is, yeah. yeah. And besides like yeah. what aesthetically was important to me at the time. And, you know, on yeah, top of yeah. the fact that like I had all these girls who like there's definitely a bit of a, um, trying to be like, you know, um, not like other girls. And like all of these girls who I did not like were now into the Beatles. And I was like, oh, you're, like, you're new fans. <laughs> you're posers because you only like across the universe. Yeah. So like that's that's yeah. probably oh, the number name one. three Beatles songs. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Oh, you're a Beatles fan. Oh, yeah. you're a real Beatles fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so is I think this, is I, this generally still like kind of liked? Is this is this like revered? Is it there's I must there's a fandom for fucking everything. There but, is. Like, is this? Um, they did have like a uh, so is this a specific one? 
Well, they did. This movie did not recoup its costs, um, uh, and it, it mm-hmm. definitely was like split along critic lines. I know Roger Ebert was a huge proponent of it, but like it, mm-hmm. it, it, it did not recoup its costs, and it, you know, from a critical yeah. point of view. And um, now, though, like it, it, it has kind of had like a bit of a resurgence as a cult classic. Like they did, like a, I think a couple years mm-hmm. ago, they were doing a bunch of Fathom event rescreenings of it, and like I do know a lot of people okay. who do like this movie. So. Um, with that said, uh, as someone who was hard on things as a teenager who, you know, was so irony poisoned that I couldn't tell sincerity from, you know, mm-hmm. a bad movie. Um, I'm actually genuinely yeah. excited to revisit this. I'm into it. I, uh, I'm excited to listen to Beatles songs, hopefully not be slaughtered. Yeah. And uh, interested to see how they thread this needle of Lucy and Jude and Jojo. Yeah. Yeah, they're just going and, through like uh, literally every all... every like they're like yeah. who who's a named character in a Beatles song that we can just like flesh this yeah. out. We'll just give them. There's no mean Martha, Mr. Mustard. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, mean Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mustard. Mustard. See, see, okay. Eleanor Rigby. Right, right. There's no Eleanor in this, or at least there is. Like she's not so a character, weird. and I'm like, damn, that's Eleanor Rigby is my like sad girl bitch friend. I love her. Like, where is she? <laughs> yeah, know? what the fuck? She's yeah. so salty. Well, we'll find um, out and more. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, let's go watch and then make sure to watch the end credits and see if maybe they were like they didn't give like them a specific shout out. But like the person that's pouring them coffee in some right. scenes, like, oh, that was Eleanor. Rigby. Right. There's a policy. Like the IMDb Pam. cast list. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's the case. And boy, we shall see. Yeah. Oh, mean Mr. Mustard. That's who I'm looking out for. I'm just right. looking out for a mustard bottle somewhere right. in this film. There's going to be a sheepdog named Martha, and uh, I missed it the first time, so we shall find out. But yeah, I guess let's let's get to it, because there's going to be a lot to talk about. We will go and watch the movie in return. All right. This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles, such as Hergé, In the Shadow of Tintin. A complex and complicated artist, Georges Rémy created one of the most famous characters in the world, Tintin, for young readers. With exceptional access to his archives, this program looks at Rémy's life and the way he changed the art of comic strips. As a person who makes comics, I enjoyed watching comics being drawn on screen, because it reminded me of what I do, and I like things that relate to me, instead of, you know, not me. That's not fun. You can also get access to our streaming video service Nebula when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators. So you've got CuriosityStream. Why Nebula? I'll tell you why. Because it's a place for smaller, indie, education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula... You can see original video essays, films, documentaries, and the like from creators like Cat Black, Sarah Zed, and the always lovely Abigail Thorne. Right now, you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $15 for the full year. All you got to do is go visit CuriosityStream.com slash MusicalSplaining. Once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to CuriosityStream and Nebula and and... No, that's just it. It's just those two. But, you know, it's totally worth it. Just trust me. And we are back. We get back. Get Is back to where you Is there anybody going want. to listen to my podcast? <laughs> All about the girl who talked about Phantom. Phantom. That's, that's how it goes, right? That's how it goes, right? <laughs> 
that's that's exactly how it goes, right? That was the entire movie. Yeah, was, it was great. It was all, all that. If only that was what Across the Universe had been about, just like somebody really trying hard to see Phantom of the Opera. But that is not what Across the Universe is about uh, at, in any oh capacity. There was parts of me that was like, I wished I was watching Phantom of the Opera instead of this movie as we were watching it. <laughs> Like in my head, there's confetti. There's like banners doing it. It's like mission accomplished. Like I, I didn't think there could be a lower bottom, and it just is like <laughs> nope. It keeps going, uh, keeps going lower, keeps I, going lower. I, so I, I do want to preamble this by saying I know people who like this movie, and um, you know, there's there's something for everyone out there. And you know, obviously, as the Phantom Ambassador, I have a lot of shame in my own regards. But this one, Whoa. I know in the first act, I said I remembered not liking it, and I think there was just like. Oh, maybe there was just some biases, the understatement. or yeah, and, and, yeah. and watching it again, I was like, "No, I was right." Uh, <laughs> yeah, you were you were correct. Um, but let's... Um, this was this was this one was pain, and, and I was actually thinking about this. I'm like, we're gonna have to summarize it like we always do, and I'm like, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, the, the summary it's... doesn't matter. It's just think of think of every fucking sixties cliche. Yeah, and, and then like that's the move. That's yeah. the summary. I'm yeah. not even gonna. It's let's not I, waste our breath. I mean, I I did write a very long list of plot points that happened because um, I don't think this is the longest movie ever made, but it feels like the longest movie ever made. Oh my god! I, yeah, yeah. I was like, this movie's two hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah. And when I watched it, it, I didn't stop it, but it was it was fifteen hours and two minutes. Yeah, that's exactly. how long it was when I was watching it. Yeah. It was just insufferably long. It's 1960s Liverpool. There is a guy named. Jude, he does not know his father, Jude. who is an American GI that, you know, knocked his mother up during World War II, presumably. And mm-hmm. all he knows is that he lives like in the United States and he wants to go over to the United States to find him. And it's very much, oh man, like, you know, no, I'm just going to get through. I'm, I'm just going to get through. Just just get through. Uh, so Jude breaks up with his girlfriend. Jude breaks up with his girlfriend in Liverpool, goes to America to, to find his dad. His dad ends up being a janitor at Princeton and not a professor like he thought he was. He th- at first he thinks he's a professor. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, wait, you're a janitor. Does this have- and then he runs into this... Fu- yeah, does he? Has, it has no bearing on the plot. Then he runs into like this very fun-loving guy named Max, as in Maxwell Silverhammer, and Max is Maxwell just kind of like yeah. he's kind of like a deadbeat kind of like rich kid. Yeah, deadbeat rich kid, and they have a lot of fun together. And then he meets Lucy, Max's younger sister, who has a boyfriend that has just been drafted for the Vietnam War. And Lucy mm-hmm. is very much like yeah, she's like the uh, Beverly D'Angelo character in Hair, just like the rich girl who like gets yes uh, yeah. into like social justice, the debutante. Yes, debutante. Uh, then the movie abruptly. Cuts to this girl named Prudence, who is a cheerleader at a high school, and uh, she sings "I Want to Hold Your Hand" distantly to another woman. She's in so, love with, she, yeah, she's in love with girl, another yeah. woman. And then the movie cuts away from her entirely. We don't think about her for a little bit. And then uh, no. Max and Jude decide to go to New York City together because it seems like the place to be. They meet this woman named Sadie, who is supposed to be older. They're like, "Oh, what a hot milf!" And she literally looks like she's thirty. Yeah. Like I'm like, she's like, yeah, not even. She's <laughs> yeah. like twenty six. Uh, yeah, and she's their landlord, she, and, and she's basically Jackie Jormjump is what yeah. she is. Yes. <laughs> she is. Uh, she's meant to be like a Janis Joplin type singer who's like trying to like get her own yeah. career started. We're all here at yeah. Woodstocks. I'm going to use that joke again. Sorry. <laughs> right. uh, and then we cut to another character. Uh, we cut to the Detroit riots and we meet Jojo, whose little brother is killed during the Detroit riots. And also during the sequence, uh, we find out that Lucy's boyfriend is killed in Vietnam. And so then Jojo mm-hmm. goes and Jojo is basically Jimi Hendrix. Just like he's, yeah, he's he, supposed to be Jimi Hendrix. He's yeah. Jimi Hendrix. So he goes to New York and I guess they're all in New York now. And then Prudence, the character that we talked about, that's the cheerleader. <laughs> she comes in through the bathroom window of like Sadie oh and Max and, and Jude's apartment so they can 
say the line literally. Oh, she came in through the bathroom I wrote that window. Note down. Yes. I was I, like, this movie is basically <laughs> just a dad joke. That's I, all it is. Yeah, I remember that line. It's seeing it in theaters and then like seeing it again. And I still have this visual going like, man, fuck this movie. Like as soon as that line yeah. happens, I'm just like, fuck this movie so hard. Um, yes. Uh, so Lucy's boyfriend. Uh, I, I don't know. And just, shh, yeah, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. So all these crazy kids are here. Uh, Lucy's boyfriend is dead. So she falls for Jude, who is apparently also an artist. Um, Max gets drafted into the Vietnam War, the uh, deadbeat brother. Uh, Prudence is, mm-hmm. is it continues to be gay. She de- develops a crush on Sadie that is unreciprocated and then is immediately, re- like, that drama is immediately resolved. Like, they just, so they could just yeah. say, Dear Prudence, come out to play. You're like, we're like, okay, we get it. Yeah. Um, then cool. <laughs> uh, Sadie's record, Sadie gets a record producer and he brings them all to a party with Bono. <laughs> Where the Bono movie. Is Dr. What the Dr. fuck? Dr. Robert. His, name? his was, name's uh, Dr. Robert. Dr. Robert. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. And he's like this Timothy Leary type, and he looks like figure. Lemmy kind. Yes. He also kind of looks like Lemmy from Motorhead in <laughs> yeah. a way. Um, he gets them all. Uh, you know, they're all, everyone's taking LSD, and it, they get on I'm, a bus. I'm, okay, I just need to get through this. I need to get through this. I need to get through this plot summary first. Yes, you'll, okay. get, you'll make it. Sorry, go, so ahead, go ahead. He takes them, you know, to like this, like you know, retreat in the middle of nowhere, like this commune type thing. And there's more drugs, and there's an insane being for the benefit of Mister Kite puppet scene that. Uh, took five years off my life. Then finally, Max goes <laughs> off to Vietnam. Lucy gets really involved in the anti-war movement. And I do want to iterate here. Mm-hmm. Lucy has actually lost her boyfriend. Like, this is the only, I yeah. think, thing that actually makes any sense in this movie and drives any character forward. There's the only stakes in this film. Yeah. yeah. So Lucy is getting more involved in the anti-war movement. Um, and Jude gets very resentful because she's hanging out with like this anti-war leader guy. And he's jealous. And it's getting in the way of Jude's very important it's art. It's Forrest Gump, yeah. basically. Yeah. Again. No. Yeah. Okay. Put a pin in that because, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 so Jude gets jealous. They fight a lot, and uh, you know he's like, "Your revolution is a sham." Blah 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 blah. Uh, Sadie and JoJo, who were in a relationship, start falling apart because Sadie's getting involved in drinking, and she's jealous of JoJo being very talented. Um, everyone's mad. Mm-hmm. JoJo no longer plays with Sadie, who's now drunk all the time. Lucy leads Jude, mm-hmm. leaves Jude, and then. Um, Oh, I have literally here in this. Lucy is the Jenny of this movie, except I think that was the point in Forrest Gump, and it is not the point here. Um, well, I'll get into yeah. that later. Uh, Jude gets arrested at a riot. <laughs> Jude's dad, the janitor, comes back. The only reason why he's in this movie is to bail Jude out, basically, from you know jail. So he can say, like, I'm an American, and this is Important my son. plot point. Yeah. Yeah. Jude goes back to England, works in the factory, does the thing that he didn't want to do. Uh, Max comes back from Vietnam and apparently has PTSD or something. Uh, Lucy mm-hmm. is uh, the only normal person here who acts like a human being. And um, she sees that her her uh, revolutionary boyfriend is building bombs and is like, I thought this wasn't what the, your revolution was about, man, and leaves him. And then the yeah, bomb it goes used to be about the music. Right? <laughs> uh, the bomb goes off and uh, presumptively killing the uh, anti-war boyfriend and Jude over in London reads this in a newspaper and like assumes that Lucy is dead. This is this is a nod, of course, to the weather underground. I'm right? Sure you know about yeah, yeah, guys. yeah. It's the weather underground. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. Oh boy, we'll get into it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so you know, Jude is sad because he assumes Lucy is dead, and then like Max does like teleportation, like Luke, uh, you know, the force is with you and sings Hey Jude to him. <laughs> and all of Liverpool erupts into song and dance as they urge Jude to go back to the United States. And what gets me about this is like, you know, I understand why he would think was Lucy hurt, but I'm like, man, you could just like write a letter, you know, call collect. It's yeah. it's not like we didn't have it's that. Like, hey, in- yeah, phones existed. Phones existed then, man. Um, so Max uh, 
gets him to come back and then they all reunite on the rooftop uh, and sing all you need is love. And that <sighs> is the ending. Um, that's all oh that is God. across the universe. And um, I think we are all the worst. How long it took for having. Yeah, exactly. This is the severely abridged version because I was like I, I was having like <laughs> where to unpack where to be even begin. Okay, unpacking. I, I, so I, okay. I, I, I'll tell you what it is. Okay. I'll tell you. I'll start with this. Right. So I, I thought a lot about like why did I why I hated this so much. Right. Sure. Because there's and there's multiple elements, and I think I boiled it down to what it is. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, it, it's like cliche, sure. Like that's sure. we've seen plenty of stuff that's cliche. That's yeah. not a problem. Um, is it the covers? Like we've seen stuff that it's got covers. Like mm. that's not bad. I think what it is, and I'm, and I'm just sort of talking through this as I'm trying to figure it out. Right? Mm. Is that it's not. It's it's like it's having all those things together, and then it culminates with this. Not culminates, but like the most egregious thing of it is. You take a movie that's cliche, you take songs that like are great and then you ruin them and make them overly earnest with sure. a bunch of, I'm sorry, theater kids that are in it. <laughs> there's no real plot. Yeah. There's no, there's no point to it. This, yeah. re- this movie doesn't need to exist. And then on top of it, the insult to injury that pushed me over the edge of it sure. was, this is a movie that just, this is just another fucking movie that glorifies the sixties and mythologizes the hippies yeah. and turns that whole fucking thing into like a, weren't we great? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it fantastic that we were, and I just was like, fuck yeah. you. Yeah. No more. No, 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 no. Like my body just rejected it. Right. If it didn't have to have, if it, you know, cause like we watched hair, right? Right. Hair was like, I like you know, Milos sort of came at it from this. I liked hair. Yeah. Milos came at it from this perspective of like, these people are the complete opposite of me. Yeah. So like, I was sort of fascinated by that. And it sort of has like a kind of an ending that's interesting. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the visuals are just, it gets kind of weird and like, it, it sort of has an angle. Yeah. And this, it doesn't have any like concrete thing to say about the movement itself just like you know like 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 it's not hair is not like weren't the 60s great it, it is like weren't they a confused right. and messy like yeah it wasn't even like weren't it terrible it was just sort of like weren't the 60s complicated yeah, like yeah here's here like, here's yeah. one side of it but also here's the other side of it and yeah. like it's not as simple as people remember it and right. he did that in this fucking 70s right 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 but this is just like it, it felt like I know this wasn't around when this came out, but it's like the Dolly fucking AI generator. But like Uh, as a movie where if you put in a bunch of prompts of like 60s cliches and like images and like that, but like as an entire film is what it felt like to me. There's a couple things going on for me here. So um, I, we walked into this with the, you know, the, 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 the idea that we are both fans of the Beatles music and the, Paul McCartney and John Lennon had very different writing styles. And it's always very easy to tell yeah. who wrote what. And so who much, what, yeah. <laughs> so much of like so many of the songs that they end up using for these films are about really abstract things, like very per- like specifically mm-hmm. the John Lennon songs. Like I, I find that John Lennon is a very abstract singer or writer, songwriter. He's writing yeah, about yeah, vibes and, yeah. you know, Paul McCartney loves to make his characters. He loves his Rocky raccoons and his like Martha, yep, my yep, dears yep. and stuff. But John Lennon is usually talking about abstract stuff. And there are a couple sequences where it works, where I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Like the because sequence where it's not necessarily trying to make mm-hmm. a plot point. It's trying to capture a vibe really well. And I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting, yes. but it does not do that with the majority of John Lennon's songs. It tries to force in this insane, like it has to, like there's, there's the part during the uh, Dr. Robert Bono sing where he's singing, I am the walrus, you know, one of the most deeply weird, mm-hmm. what is the yeah. song even about kind of things. And, you know, infamously the chorus goes, I am the egg man. And then you hear woo. And in this, like it's the audience mm-hmm. just going woo. And I'm like, woo. I hate this so much. Like it's this weird hyper literalism. <laughs> 
I, I, you know, to come out in defense of, 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 of the Beatles, like a lot of people are attached to these songs, I think because of their abstractness, mm-hmm. um, you know, like they, they can say so many things. Yeah. They speak to this, like this vibe that I think a lot of people understand, even if they're not coming at it from the same direction. And here you have this movie constantly trying to like cram one a some sort of like literal moment onto it on top of not having a story, like an actual story. It's just like we have to build literal. No, exactly. Moments. Yeah. 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 And, and I actually had a note that was, I think like, again, I've only seen like one other Julie Taymor film, so sure. I don't actually know what to say about her as a director. And this is not like a criticism of her general career, because I'm just going based off of this film, really, because I don't even fucking remember Frida. But like this film to me and the way that she directed and the way that she built shots that had that really like didn't connect to any kind of story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> felt kind of like forgive me, but kind of like a Michael Bay film in a way yeah, where it was like mm-hmm. these, these images that are like really interesting <laughs> sure. and dynamic. And there's like a lot of like crazy shit going on, yeah. but you know, but it doesn't really like matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the images don't connect to anything specific. Yeah. So it just sort of feels like, well, did she direct a bunch of music videos? A lot of it just felt like a long yeah. Beatles, like a, like a Super Bowl commercial or sure. something where it's like, here are things, here are hallmarks that you're familiar with. And right. it's like visually very interesting, but there's, it's not a, it does not make a film. Yeah. It doesn't make like a story. It yeah. just is like, it feels cool. like a bunch of screensavers the- like to me. Yeah. <laughs> Like just stuff that you put on when you're like in college and smoking really bad weed and just being like, I want something cool to look at while we hang out. And that's kind of like, Wh- added, which if it had leaned into best. that all the way, right, right, right. that would have been, you know what I mean? Cause even that's not necessarily like you can do, I've seen movies that do that where like they just completely forgo plot yeah. and they go completely into the abstract of like, here's just about like language, a visual language and trying to make these, but it doesn't do that either. So it's sort of like falls in this shitty line between right. the two of them where it just ends up being nothing in specific, no, th- nothing in particular. Right. I think the movie that I kept thinking about while watching this was Pink Floyd's The Wall and like, um, mm. which, which, you know, I've actually never seen The Wall. Oh, so it's not. It's, you know, it's based off of a concept album and it's not a straightforward sure. musical. And a lot of the music is like, you know, diegetic isn't hap- ha- happening in a concert. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh-huh. and it goes off into these abstract like this, you know, infamous, like, you know, 17 minute long animated segment about like basically World War Two and the destruction of London and the rise of fascism in England and stuff like that. And it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily further the plot and pink and the wall is like very loosely connected, but it's all very connected by the same like kind of themes, you know, and it's it's it never straight exactly, from that. Yeah, thematically and is what it needs to have. It's not like a perfect movie, but it is an interesting movie, and I would say a good movie, or at least like a competent movie. I was thinking, like, how do you you know take songs that aren't necessarily like telling a concrete story um, that you can easily trace through that and 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 make it work? And I was thinking, well, that's Pink Floyd's The Wall, and 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 sadly, I was also thinking, like, you know what? Rock of Ages, I know we talked about this in the beginning and how you could switch out any song. How you could switch out any yeah. song for any other song and it would still be the same movie. And like me being like, well, maybe yeah. this means I will look at Across the Universe with kinder eyes. And no, that was not the case. I was like, you know what? No. Across the Universe, <laughs> Rock of Ages did not give a fuck and it actively did not give a fuck. What a lot of Across the Universe feels to me like is. Julie Taymor, so you saw The Lion King, which Julie Taymor directed, and she's incredible at, like, these tableaus. Like, she's so good at, like, creating these pictures, and I feel like she just had 
some very concrete images she wanted to chase. Like there's this one sequence during, um, I think across the universe, the actual song where, you know, it's these women mm-hmm. dancing on the water and then falling back to symbolize, you know, you know, innocent yeah. people being killed yeah. in the Vietnam war. And you're like, that is a really striking image, but I feel like it's, it's very cool. You were just like looking for a place to stick that, you know, in like, and like, this is why you made this movie is because you want to film this image versus like, actually wanting to build a story around it and so to go back to your further point about that, her- that's the, that's the music that's the music video thing right, that i'm talking right, about right, it's right. Like you can get away with that in a music video because it's quick and it's meant to be visceral and it's meant to sort of connect to the song but a film is like a if you're gonna sit through two hours of something yes like, you're gonna have to give me stakes to like yeah you know e- even if she had like made us give a shit about the people that are getting killed in that sequence right right beyond just like an abstract idea of right. people getting killed like it would have worked better but it just doesn't because it's like it's all over the place yeah yeah exactly like going back to your point about not having been familiar with a lot of Julie Taymor's other work. Um, so I do love yeah. the movie Titus, which is based on uh, the right, Shakespeare right, play Titus Andronicus, which is just, you know, yeah. notoriously one of Shakespeare's most fucked up, if not his most fucked up play. It's like basically like uh-huh. uh, Julie Caesar and Sweeney Todd, you know, like had a crossover. <laughs> and that sounds she, awesome. That's a good pitch. It's and like, she, you know, so so speaking of Titus, the scene that I kept thinking of that reminded me the most of Titus in this movie was the um I want you, she's so heavy sequence where like everything is just so <laughs> big and theatrical. And yeah. like all of Titus Andronicus is at that level the whole time. And it has a text that is fundamentally like supportive of that kind okay. of level of insanity, you know, like okay, and everything okay. about yeah. it is like, you know, building to like this just the yeah, pure opera. Like that's, that's what Titus Andronicus is just like this yeah, pure yeah. opera. And like, it, it tries to cover so much in because she was like, yeah, we wanted to bring in like Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin. I was reading like an interview with her because they wanted to flesh out what the world of music was actually like in the 60s. But it means nothing because they don't have any time to actually sit in like with what that means. You know, like you're given very yeah. heavy premises to these characters like Jojo's brother dying during the Detroit riots is a very loaded thing to mm-hmm. include. And then it's never like yeah. Yeah, addressed. never addressed ever <laughs> again. Like how Jojo feels about the world is never addressed. You know, like it's just like, it's just doesn't even get to be a real person. It is. Let alone anybody else in this fucking musical. None of them get to be, they're all just cardboard cutouts. They're all the work. Like I know we complain, have complained about, um, Ewan McGregor's character in Moulin Rouge, uh, a lot for being Mm -hmm, a, like mm -hmm. an asshole. And the Jude character is like that times 8,000, like just like making his little (laughs) shitty art and being mad at people for like having to live their lives. I think it works in Moulin Rouge because you have like this high level again of opera and you need someone to be that catalyst. Yeah. Yeah. Who, 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 that person who is, you know, viewing things through the normal lens, but Judah's not even that he's just boring and he sucks and he's shitty and he's constantly mean and cheating on people (laughs) and making a shitty shrub. Oh, like the, the scene where he's just like, trying to find inspiration and he looks at strawberries just cuts to strawberries oh, and you're just like God. Uh, <laughs> I hated that scene every and the, the I other, think that's when I first wrote the note where I was like it's cool looking but I'm like this doesn't matter yeah. like there's no reason why I'm watching this other than like like I said it's a dad joke it's like be, oh yeah the fucking strawberry fields forever just like the fucking yeah. song get it yeah Sorry, I, I was really trying to be like very generous about this movie and like coming into this episode being like, well, or just even the second half being like, I don't want to just some shit talk something. But this movie is one of the most frustrating things I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Yeah, I think I think frustrating is a really good way to explain it because you can you're just like a lot of the decisions don't make sense. Yeah. So one of the things before we move before I forget that I wanted to mention because we were talking about Rock of Ages. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, like budget wise, if this was something that was necessarily even an option, but like. The way you can kind of get around 
having a bunch of hollow characters that are just like one dimensional mm-hmm. when you're making a film like this is to hire actors that are already have pers- that already have personas that are already famous. Yeah. So like you can get Tom Cruise in there. You can get Russell Brand. You can right. get Alec Baldwin. You can get Catherine Zeta-Jones. So like, they don't you're you're relying on their personas outside of film or that the audience yeah. is very familiar with them to sort of fill in the blanks and the gaps where mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, Russell Brand is funny in this role or like mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin's doing this or mm-hmm. whatever. And one of the downsides of this, too, of, of handing, I guess, Evan Rachel Wood was like the only really famous person that was. Yeah. And she wasn't even that famous. Yeah, but like yeah. She's the only person that like anybody would even know. Right. Yeah. It's like having a bunch of unknowns really works against it because it, you're not giving them enough yeah. to really like flesh out. So it right. ends up feeling like a thousand times more generic because of that, which like works super against what you're doing. But, yeah. you know, when you have a budget that's like putting a get, putting towards like all these like crazy visual effects and sets and stuff, I guess like they wouldn't have money for it. So yeah. I, I think that that was like an important thing to note, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like that is like a really interesting point. Like that all of the like remotely like famous people in it are just doing like these insane weird cameos too. So it's just like, yeah. it's strange. Like every time, like when Bono shows up, you're like Bono, like what does, Bo-? like it's fuck. Bono? it's also, it's Bono of all people, you He's know, from the 60s. Right, right, yeah. right. It's just like the guy that is, you know, haunting your iTunes, you know, like the, like he's that <laughs> level of big. He's, just, you know, one of the most famous people in the world is just showing up in this absolutely insane part that has like nothing to do with the and it could be fun in a way, but he's a terrible actor. Number one, just a te- like <laughs> such a terrible actor. Like it could have been fun to be like, oh, look, there's Bono, you know, pretending to be yeah. like some weird 60s, like you know, head shrink guru. Um, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's a bad actor. Number one, number two, it doesn't, it just, I can't tell if the movie wants you to laugh and be like, Hey, look, isn't it funny that it's Bono or if you are supposed to be like, yeah, yeah. it's Bono. I think it does kind of yeah. maybe, maybe the, she thinks that there's like levity in that and they're yeah. like trying to make it like comic relief. I, but I'm it's, assuming but there's, so. There's no like weird, there's no emotion that like you can actually hold on to in this movie. Like again, like Pink Floyd's the wall again, the songs are like, yeah, loose but there is a narrative and kind of thematic stuff that unites them all and like there is like this sense of dread and uh the idea that things fall and crumble and that humans are self-destructive that drives everything you know Mm -hmm. so you have all these weird esoteric images but they all mean something you know and like again this is just like then the the, the eddie izzard being for the benefit of mr kite scene like yeah i don't know why i mean she was great though let's be real like she's always fun and (laughs) like has this like fantastic voice She's, and it's yeah. like uh, exciting to see her but like yeah uh, just, I was like oh I know her yeah <laughs> like honestly like that in a way could have been a really fun scene in a movie that was just embracing yeah. the fact that this was about like cartoony like lunatic images associated with like the Beatles yeah. Yeah. songbook but like it's kind of like the only scene that is really like it. that yeah like completely yeah. has yeah. nothing to do with anything it's like the pink elephants on parade scene in like Dumbo um <laughs> But the movie like flirts with being that imagery nonstop, but without grounding it in it. So it's it's just like, why is anything here? Yeah, and that's ultimately the question I kept thinking. I'm like, why does this movie exist? Like, who? What? Why? Yeah, that's all I kept thinking. I was like, why? Why? Yeah. What, what is the point of this? And Not like, that like everything has to have like a super important point, but I'm like, what did you? Who yeah. wanted? Who wanted this? Uh, yeah, I have no idea what you were trying to say about because even like the idea that you talked about that this is just kind of being like, weren't the '60s great? I don't even know if like it's saying that. I think it's just like. <laughs> The sixties. I sure know what that is. Is what Remember it feels the like. Sixties. Yeah, yeah, it's like they're back. It's back in pog form, or I guess in like uh, 
See, the Simpsons knew what to do with the Beatles, okay? Uh, the Simpsons knew what to do with the Beatles. I'll just put that out there again. Hello, Homer. Hello, Homer. <laughs> I'm George Harrison. <laughs> oh, my God. Where'd you get that brownie? There's a great, over there, there's a great big pile of them. It's been done. Wow, um, what a nice fellow. Yeah, it's just basically going on the idea that, like, you know who the Beatles are and you have a vague idea of the 60s and, like, God, oh, the, there's, again, with this one line where, like, Sadie's talking to Max and Jude and, like, they're trying to assure her that they'd be good, like, tenants. And she goes, it's not like you killed your mom with a hammer or anything like that. And I'm like, nobody. Yeah, what the fuck? What? <laughs> I get that you want to make as many, like, Maxwell Silver Hammer references as you can. But, like, yeah. nobody, like, talks like that. It's a and, weird like, way to slip that in. Yeah. <laughs> it's so strange. And, like, she's so, like, Julie Taymor is really good at abstraction. And, like, I, I, I really do like The Lion King. I, when we talked about it, when we saw it on Broadway, I was like, I really mm-hmm. loved her direction mm-hmm. with The Lion King. Like, because it is about very loose but big ideas. And that is all The Lion King yeah. really is about, you know? And, like, yeah. when I think when she tries to get on, like, a more personal human, like, level of telling stories where they have to be about mm-hmm. actually real people is where she falls. You said something about Jenny in Forrest Gump. And like, <laughs> right, right, right. I, I, I am not like the, I'm not here to be Forrest Gump defender by any stretch of the imagination, but I think a mm-hmm. lot with the Jenny character, like she's very pointedly made to be miserable compared to Forrest, you know, like I think yeah, yeah. that is the, like she's the one who actually has to live through the sixties. And I don't know, because of like Robert Zemeckis kind of cheesecakey way of making things, it maybe gets yeah. a little bit lost, but I think that is like the point. Like the point yeah. is that you're supposed to feel for Jenny who actually does have to bear witness to what happens, uh, throughout all this, you know, decades of American history. Whereas like this Lucy character is, you know, meant to bear all of this pain and there's no reflexive like thing about it. It's just like her pain is getting in the way of Jude's pain, you know, <laughs> like, it's She's just so like, selfish. Why does she exist? I know. <laughs> How dare she like want to join the anti-war movement because Ugh. right because she lost her boyfriend so to the fucking Vietnam War. Ugh. Get like, it's over just it. Like, Your I, boyfriend's dead. Who cares? Yeah. At, at a character level, I have no idea what this movie is saying. At like a meta level, I have no idea what it's saying. At like this just idea of what it's supposed to be as a film um, is insane. And like the thing about this was like I remember getting in a fight in college about this movie because I said mm. and you know I'm sure I'm sure I said things inelegantly because I was 20 you know and an asshole but like. I but you were right, it sounds like. Ultimately. But I was right. Um, <laughs> but I was at a party with this uh, uh, girl who I did theater with who really loved this movie. And like she was not a fan of the Beatles catalog. It just, I guess it was like a Pinterest board of like neat ideas to her. Okay. And um, which again, I said, like I probably said it mean and now here I am being an asshole. But like uh, <laughs> she, I think she just liked the vibes it was putting down. And um, I'm like, sure, okay. But she accused me of just being a little snotty like asshole who just didn't like it because I liked the Beatles music and was too attached to it. And like I rewatching this again, having only seen it once in its entirety before, um, mm-hmm. that is absolutely not the case at all. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> just I'm like, no, no, it's bad. Like, it's a genuinely, it's a genuinely bad movie. And like, I, I'm a huge Beatles fan, but the emotional attachment for me about the Beatles is about things where they come in and out of my life. It's not about them as a me- means of storytelling or even the fact that somebody would have the audacity to put, you know, I say I said that like accusatorily. I don't mean that, but that somebody would be bold enough to be like, I want to make a Beatles musical. That's not even what bothers me, you know. <laughs> like, no, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like it completely misunderstands. I think the abstraction that people like about it, you know, like the the fact that so many of the songs are John Lennon songs, like yeah, that yeah. fundamentally kind of are at odds with what the music is saying or are putting like this weird. Like, I want to admire it for trying to make an actual story out of the songs, but if you're just going to completely dismiss them straight up and not actually care about them or what they are trying to say or open your mind to, then it's like, what was the fucking point? 
is it possible for us to talk about stuff that we like about it just to sort of, like you said, not shit on it for 30 minutes. And I don't know what that is. So there's a couple sequences I I really like if I... Yeah, I, I like Evan Rachel Wood in this. I think she's trying as hard as she absolutely can. I think she's the most compelling person in this movie. I, to be fair, and she's a really I think good they singer. all are. They're just sort of working with like shit, right? Like, sure. I, don't, yeah. I, I think they're I, all just. Tr- I think all those, especially because they're unknowns or like relative sure. unknowns. I'm sure those people are fucking trying their hard. Like I was telling Sarah, sure. I was joking. I was like, somebody was in this movie and they called their mom, and I was like, oh my god, mom, I'm in this movie about the Beatles, and they were like right, so excited. Right. Like right. the lady that plays Jackie Jump Jump, like she probably was just like, I'm going to do like, she probably, I don't it. know who that is. I'm sorry. I'm probably an idiot. And she's probably somebody super famous that I don't fucking she, know about. I think but. she has played Janis Joplin and Janis, like the musical. Like, so I oh, think really? Jan, doing like Janis is like her thing at this point or it was, I don't know. I forget. I'm just I feel, struggling to remember I her feel name. for actors and actresses. I'm just like, man, like you don't, you don't know, like you get hit. Like you get you get yeah. these gigs, where you're like, oh, it's with Julie Taymor who did this fucking like huge Broadway musical, right. and it's like a right. show about the Beatles, and it's like you're stoked, yeah. and then like you have no idea how fucking bad it's gonna be until like the end. Yeah, and, like, it's you guys got a bad rap. You guys got a tough racket. I understand. Like you, literally, yeah. you're giving yourself over to somebody, and you're like, please don't make something that's a disaster, and then you're like, yeah, fuck, it was a disaster. Yeah, like nope, nobody here is untalented. Everybody can sing. Everybody. Yeah, like, exactly is on paper knows understands the idea of acting it is just like Julie Taymor is <laughs> it is kind of shocking to me that like she wasn't I, or maybe that was the point she wanted fresh young faces to play like these fresh young kids and like the fresh young 60s and yeah like, you're right and I'm like I don't even know who would have been like a huge person who would have been like huge actors to play in those roles at that time anyway so the one sequence I did really like in this and it this is like me like soul searching for something nice to say about this film yes um yeah. where and I, it almost feels like at this point a coincidence that they stumbled onto this kind of imagery, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the actual first half of the setting to across the universe where he's on the subway and it kind of plays into this idea of like this liminal passage of time and all mm-hmm, of these different mm-hmm. people, you know, kind of going in this place. And I, as someone who likes to sit and look at liminal space and feels like that is a song about the liminal passage of existence about like, what is the soul and like that sort of thing. It's putting yeah, that on a subway yeah. and just kind of playing very lightly into the surreal where like that, like if you've ever sat at the front of a subway train and are looking into the darkness and playing, like going through yeah. that, like to me, I'm like, that is a cool image. That is a d- deeply cool mm-hmm. and not like ham fisted image that like, I'm like, that's awesome. Like that's like kind of like finding mm-hmm. like the, not the, um, what's the, the uh, surface level meaning of something, but like the yeah, second yeah. level of the it. deeper meaning. And like, yeah. I do like that sequence. Like that sequence, I'm like, that's a really cool idea. And I really like that. And I wish more of the movie had been like that, as opposed to just being like, yeah. making everything directly about like these weird, you know, stand-ins that we have for Paul McCartney and like, you know, Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like just playing into the, the secondary kind of levels of these songs, you know? Uh, there's a scene which I don't remember what the song, the part where he's like going into the military and then there's like all those soldiers that are stacked like in yeah. these weird. Uh, it, it, do you remember those old Energizer ads? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where they had those weird fucking costumes on. I have no fucking idea why that was the case, but like that haunted me in a weird way when I was watching. That's the thing that stuck out to me yeah. the most. I was like, I don't understand why they look like that. Yeah. But it was kind of cool, even though it was terrifying. Yeah. And, no, that like um, that is one of the parts that I, even though like that part is so ham-fisted and like, yeah stupid it's also very 
like she goes full hard on that one. That one she goes hard. You know, she's literally having yeah. them carry like a statue of the United States through like the jungles of Vietnam in their underwear. And I'm like, you're almost like doing something really cool here. Like that is just so ham-fisted. Oh, that you have right, to, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like this, they're doing like flat. Yeah. It's like Uojima, but like with literally the statue. Yeah, and they're that's going right. like she's that, so that's, heavy. That image was very striking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're saying she's so heavy, and I'm like, I get it. America is so heavy, right? <laughs> like, damn. Yeah. It really. But I'm like, I think <laughs> at least that's a concrete idea right there. I, I think honestly, if that movie had come <clears throat> out now, they would have had more of a, a like they could have been able to facilitate it because it would have just been something like a fucking visual album or sure. something like the stuff that Beyonce did where they just would have been like do 10 music videos yes. to like 10 Beatles yes. songs that are like loosely affiliated and don't worry about having to like cram in a plot. Right, right. Like just have some sort of like visual idea that takes it through and then you string them all together and you watch it and people would have loved it. Like I think if they had just done that instead of trying to make it like a story, yeah. which like was a total disaster. Yeah, the, the, it might have been something that she probably liked more too. Sure. Like, well, you know what I was thinking about was uh, the Cirque du Soleil show Love, which is all based on the Beatles uh-huh. music and it's about all these like big yeah. abstract, there's like no real plot. It's just like this like very visual a bunch of exploration. And yeah. I've done a bunch of dancing and twirling and circus like yeah. chicanery, you know, based around the Beatles music. And you're like, that is kind of, I think, what that, that shit needs to actually make a cohesive yeah. show. Even though it's not a narrative, it is, it, it feels like a narrative in a way. Like you are going on like, this journey through their music, if only for the journey of the music itself, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. That's basically like what like Lemonade is with like all mm-hmm, of these different, mm-hmm. you know, music videos that just create this cohesive, like this, 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 this great like portrait visual album. Of I think yes. it's like the perfect, yeah. yeah, visual album would have, I'm sure when she heard that, she was like, fuck, yeah. that's what I She's wanted like, to no, do. I should have done that. I should have done that. All I could think though also is like, I, I'm trying to remember if this was how she met Bono and got him to do Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark for Broadway. Oh, probably. I'm assuming yeah, probably. so, yeah. I like I read so, that yeah. book and I'm just like, I think this was how like she and Bono were like, we should write a musical about Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> I still, I'm like, do I want to see it now? I'm like, I was interested in the disaster part yeah. of it. But I mean, there's a lot you of... guys, don't send us YouTube links because they're too... Yeah. We get a lot of YouTube links of the pirate yeah. ones. Like, no, we're looking for a pro we shot. Have to do if pro- anyone has a real pro shot, don't send us a YouTube yes. link, please. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, we unfortunately cannot do We know YouTube how to links. use YouTube. We also search YouTube. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, but there is, like, a lot of crossover there where it's just, like, these very big, confused... I think the girl who plays Prudence ended up playing, like, Arachne, the spider goddess in in uh, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Like, there's a mm-hmm. Julie Taymor extended universe, <laughs> you know? Uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, again, a lot with like big visuals, but not actually understanding the story was kind of like not understanding the story, but not having a good why for telling the story is the same thing with like turn off the dark. Like, I mean, I can't speak for stage shows, but like, you know, film has its own language. It has its own structure. It's it's a medium in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And it's not enough to have something that looks cool. This is why you end up having movies that are not expensive and don't have like elaborate anything that connect to audiences in a way that's like, I mean, which it's not the rule necessarily. I just mean that like sure. more than enough times you'll see an indie movie that doesn't cost shit that will connect because like the visual language is not about how expensive it is or how elaborate or cool it looks. It's about like, how much does this connect to the experience of like watching this character go through sure. something and how much you sort of feel for them and go on that experience. And it's, right. it's a very, very different medium and it's much, much harder to try to take something that might work on a stage. Right. Um, which again, this might've been like a really cool, you know, I guess that's something we haven't even talked about, but I, I bet you this would have been just like a fun sh- stage show to see just even this in and of itself. I wonder if that's what she was trying to do as well. Like yeah. you could have gotten away with a lot of it of like seeing this on a stage and seeing this trying to be like a bunch of practical effects that like you would make. I could, I can actually, you know what, at the end of this conversation, I'm now finally realizing, I wonder if that's what it was. 
It's like she just tried to take a stage show and made it make it into a film. That's probably what it was. And like going back to hair, like hair, the musical has such a loose plot and the characters are so underwritten. But it works because like Mm -hmm. it leans into that. Like it's 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 about a bigger thing than the characters themselves. And like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it lets, you know, the writers explore some really fun concepts that you wouldn't necessarily associate with like the 1960s per se. Um, And and to the same extent, the movie also does that because it just leans into like the fucking squirrely ass nature of hair um and yeah maybe like yeah i'm like this could have just been a perfectly fine like stage show where you're allowed to have like these very like abstract characters i I honestly these characters aren't even abstractions i really hate this (laughs) like i'm like i don't know what they represent besides the most literal thing you could think of and in that case are they even abstractions if it's literally meant to be you know nothing yeah exactly so i don't i don't know it's a very yeah it's a very Strange movie, um, and one that I really tried hard to go into liking. I, I tried very I, hard. I really wanted to appreciate that they tried to build a story around it, but it's like, oh, again, like they have her singing Blackbird at the end of this movie for no reason. A song that is about a very concrete thing, too, like, yeah. like <laughs> about the civil rights movement, you know, <laughs> like, and it's just yeah, like yeah. Evan Rachel Wood staring at the sea singing it, and it doesn't really say anything about her like it's a movie it's certainly it's a movie a you can it definitely exists exactly. you can definitely watch it you it's, absolutely it's can a, watch it you can hit play and the thing will play it and will you play will, you can and physically you'll... see something <laughs> there's cameras right they pointed actors and then there's a there's a soundtrack yeah and i just maybe, end credits maybe at this point we just weren't meant to have like a concrete like Beatles narrative like if even the Beatles movies like starring the Beatles themselves like a hard day's night and like help and they're all you know very squirrely movies that have nothing to do with the songs and they're very fun to watch and it's just because like the music rips and they're not taking themselves too seriously and this is like the opposite of that it's a bunch of covers of songs that I already like and don't need to hear other people sing Uh, right and the there's only one. What was there was like a gospel cover of one of the songs. Yeah, uh, may it uh, not may it be. <laughs> That's Enya. Let it be. Uh, Let it be. Yeah. Which like that was the only period where I was like, okay, at least they've taken a Beatles song and they've elevated it yes. to something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was really lovely. But like the rest of them are just sort of like. It just sounds like a bunch of people auditioning on a stage for a musical yeah. where they're like, I'll just sing a Beatles song for Simon Cowell and Paula Abdul and yeah. Andy Jackson. And, and everyone like a, everyone has like this very like mid 2000s singing affect where everyone's just yeah. kind of like, uh, like the yeah. guy, Jim Sturgis, who plays Jude, just ends every single vowel on this, uh, like this vocal fry yeah. that is just like, it's so irritating to listen to. It uh, is. It's anyway. just, it's anyway, anyway we're, we've complained enough. Yes. We got We got We got to wrap it up. We got to wrap uh, it anyway, up. Anyway. So sorry to everybody who loves this movie. Yes. We love you still. Please don't yes. give up on the podcast. It yes. just, it's please just, don't give us a one star. Every review. now and then there's something that breaks us both, you know, and this just, it just happened it to broke be. us. Yep. We, we really tried. We, we just don't like boomers anymore. We just don't want to nope. hear any more boomer stories. Nope. I'm, I'm good about uh, hearing but we things love about you, the 60s. And we don't hate you for loving them. Yes. And you can, everybody can enjoy what they want. This was just one, or this is just two people's opinions that happen to be correct. Yes. Follow Um, your truth. (laughs) This is not my truth, but if it's your truth, follow that truth, baby. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Let us know your thoughts. Yes. Uh, We are at Musical Splainin with no G. At musical uh, on Twitter, musical split. If if Twitter's still around by the time this is released, apparently (laughs) it's still about to collapse. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, We are musical splaining with a G on Instagram. Uh, I am at permafriends on Instagram and at Kavitaharian on Twitter. And of course, um, Angie, you are, you are. I am, I'm Y Angelina Y on Twitter and I'm Angelina underscore S E E on Instagram uh, for the foreseeable and social media landscape future. <laughs> yes. As long as, we, as long as Twitter's around, we'll, we'll be on it. We yeah. can't escape. We've got uh, big followings. Um, 
uh, if you guys get a chance, please go ahead and leave us a review. Please. Please tell your friends about it. Please. If you have a friend that loves across the universe, tell them to listen to this podcast. <laughs> if you have an enemy that yes. loves, actually, if you have an enemy yeah. that listens to this. Do you this, want to alienate yeah. somebody uh, yeah. that really Just likes like, that Oh movie. my God, you love across the universe. You should totally listen to this episode and then they will hate you forever. Yeah. It'll be a great prank. It's yeah. totally worth it. Totally. Um, le- leave us uh, good reviews. It yeah. really helps us show, that helps the show a lot. And then also, of course, please follow the sponsor links. Yes. It helps. It helps. It helps. It helps. It helps. Yes. Uh, Is there anybody, anybody going to? To listen oh, to my stop. ad read <laughs> all about the, whatever the ad reads playing on this episode. <laughs> there you go. We we did it. I'm a regular Paul McCartney. You are my John Wonderful. Lennon. Uh, Yay. Abstract. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for listening. Yeah. And we will now see you at the next it's one. Time to say goodnight. Goodnight. Good night. Sleep tight. There you go. Beatles. Beatles. It's all Beatles all the way down.